everybody, Neil Thompson here. Have you all heard about the Get the STEM Job in 2022 Audio Summit? If not, you're in luck. I'll tell you about it now. If you're in STEM and you're looking for your next role, listen in to this summit so that you can get the tips you need to network, interview, and negotiate your way to the job that you want. You want to learn more about this summit? Please go to teachthegeek.com slash summit. Again, that's teachthegeek.com slash summit. And now, on to our regularly scheduled program. Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. Consider checking out Teach the Geek to Speak Society. It's a, it's a membership where you can get ongoing help in your public speaking journey. And you can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Amy Carr. She is a water resource control engineer and the co-founder of Engineering Gals, an organization whose goal is to build a global community of women in STEM. She's also co-host of the Gals Chat podcast where she interviews women in STEM. I'm interested to learn more about her decision to study civil engineering and the motivation for starting Engineering Gals and Gals Chat. Welcome to Teach the Geek interviews, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me, Neil. I'm really excited to be here and talk to you about, you know, my path in civil engineering and then engineering gals as well. Wonderful. So as you mentioned, as I mentioned, you studied civil engineering in school. What was the motivation to get that degree? I pretty much didn't realize it until I got older. But when I was younger, I used to work on a lot of cars with my dad. And going back to that memory, I remember being really curious and really interested in you know how things work and I took that with me into university when I was trying to figure out what major to choose I had gone to university as a nursing major and was undecided for a while I didn't know if I wanted to do English I didn't really have that much of a strong background in math also so I feel like that kind of pushed me away from the STEM field because a lot of people were like, well, if you're not good at math, then it's really not the, you know, industry to be in. So later on, I really thought hard about what I was good at and what I really liked doing. And it was something more technical. So I went to my advisor and I asked for some different suggestions for different majors. And she threw out, you know, computer science, and civil engineering. And I took this intro to civil engineering class and I really liked it. So that's kind of where that happened. And Later on, I just, you know, really took the time out to develop my skills in math. And that really helped me. And I was able to pretty much, you know, get my degree at Cal State Long Beach in civil engineering. And then later on, ended up going into that focus of water resource engineering. Wow. You know, now I realize why I used to lie about my reason to go into engineering. And I, I, I lied about it for, for years because I hear stories like yours and I just think my, my reasoning is so lame. I wasn't all that What's great. What's your reasoning? Well, I wasn't all that great in science and math in school either. I mean, it wasn't the worst, but I certainly wasn't the best. 
but I went into engineering because my father said I should. And, and for the longest reason, I used to lie about it. I, I'd say that I played with Legos. I said that I, I used to take apart toasters and put them back together. And I used to build computers and I participated in robotics club when I was in high school, but I didn't do any of that stuff. I, 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 so funny. I went into engineering because my father said, do it. And I had no other idea of what to do after high school. So I said, all right, engineering it is. <laughs> so I, I commend you for coming to that that realization of, of engineering without, you know, any parental involvement. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's different for a lot of people. Um, my parents just told me to do what I wanted to do. So that's what I did, you yeah. know? Gotcha. Yeah. And, wow. So you, you went through nursing, undeclared, and uh, English, and then you eventually English. came to civil engineering. And I was like, I was like, because I was really into the arts, right? I was more into literature and you know painting and even just like more artistic and creative things like beauty and fashion and I was never really into the technical side until even though I had that interest I didn't really tap into it until I got to university wow I mean I had a previous guest actually that episode came out last week and that that conversation was pretty interesting and she said that when she started engine when she started college she actually wanted to do English as well but her, her father, who was an engineer, said, absolutely not. You're doing engineering. And she did engineering, electrical engineering. Luckily, it worked out for her. So yeah. I guess, and when I heard her story, it made me laugh because it was very similar to my own. So I guess I, I'm, not, I'm not the only one out there whose parents told no. me what to do and just did yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I, so I did mention that you are a water resource control engineer. Whenever I think about civil engineering, I think about the people that that, that design the bridges and, and roads and stuff like that. So I have I have no clue what a water resource control engineer does. Can you possibly you know just explain what you do? Yeah, for sure. I think when we look at civil engineering, a lot of people think it's not like architecture or <laughs> like generally people always say that or people say, well, do, do you build buildings? And that's a part of it. But there's a lot of subdisciplines in civil engineering, and with water resources. I didn't really know what it was until I started my internship. So as soon as I declared my major in engineering, I talked to my advisor and I was like, hey, I really want to do an inter internship. Do you have any, do you know of any positions out there? And luckily he had also gotten an email for a position earlier, like that month or that week. And I went ahead and I applied to it. And that's when I first got my first internship it was right after I declared engineering as my major. And, and so I got into the internship and I finally, you know, I was like, okay, there's, this is a crazy world. Like the entire water industry is very niche. And, and it's crazy because we use our tap water every single day. Like we drink water, we can't survive without it. Yet a lot of people generally don't know what goes on behind, you know, when you do open your tap to drink water. And so, yeah, I pretty much learned that working in the water industry is working on different types of water treatment. So you have, you know, pumping your water from the well or the lake to get your water to your, your treatment plant and then treating it and then distributing it to your uh, residents. So that's pretty much the water industry. Either you could be working in building dams, the infrastructure to hold water in such as tanks, pipelines, 
mains, um, channels. So a lot of that is like the design aspect of being in the water industry. And then the other aspect is more of like the chemical engineering background. So a lot of chemical engineers also work in the water industry because there's a lot of water chemistry that happens, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, learning how to treat for different types of contaminants. So yeah, that's how it happened. I work for the government. So most of my job is more regulatory where I am going on site and inspecting these water systems to, you know, give them the, you know, if, whether it's like a new permit or just a regular inspection to make sure everything is good for public health. Gotcha. You know, it's great that there are people like you that are willing to do regulatory type jobs. I used to work in medical devices as a product development engineer, and the idea of working in regulatory affairs just sounded absolutely dreadful. I mean, their, their, their whole job was basically telling us product development people, no, you can't do that. No, you can't say that. It's just like, man, it's like, just, just, just no all, all day. Is, is, is there anything fun in your job? I hope. But then I said, as I said, it's, it's great that there are people like you that are, are willing to do that type of work. So, so thank you for that. Well, one other thing, when it comes to the water that comes out of your tap, is it, is it drinkable or do you have to do anything to it to make it drinkable? Well, the whole purpose of, you know, the state water boards and our regulations are, so we have federal regulations and state regulations that regulate the water that comes to our tap and it's, it's drinkable. So that's the whole entire purpose of my, my job, my role. I think there's a lot of like, um misunderstanding or like false narratives behind like oh bottled water is better because it's mineralized and all this stuff and um drinking water from the tap is actually more regulated than bottled water is so i mean you know they're both great options but i know for a fact there's higher and more stringent regulations and it gets you know inspected and looked at a lot more than you know tap water does more than bottled water does but you know i think at the end of the day uh it's more of a societal perception that we have kind of gotten about tap water but it's drinkable <laughs> wonderful because that's what i drink and because yeah <laughs> because i'm too cheap to buy bottled water <laughs> i mean you can get filters and make it more mineral or however you want it to be yeah Wonderful. Wow, man, I don't even do that. I just drink, I just drink it straight out the tap and hey, it works for me. So I'm glad that that the water that I'm drinking isn't, you know, doing harm to me. So that's wonderful. So the I mean, I mentioned also mentioned in the intro that you started a, an organization called Engineering Gals. What was the motivation to start that? Yeah, so Engineering Gals came out of a place for, you know, realizing that I didn't there's a lot of things that I wish I had when I was in university or even when I was looking into engineering. So I think generally when we talk about engineering, I didn't know what that was. I think a lot of people don't know what it is if they're not really brought up in that STEM background. Um, so I you know, realized that I wanted to do a couple of things. One of them was you know, to have that representation, education, and that community that I felt like I didn't have in university. So it was when I was in university and I met my co-founder, Maritza Bravo, both of us decided that we wanted to make a difference in this field. And 
we started engineering gals. So first off, we started by putting, you know, having an online presence on Instagram and YouTube. And, you know, on YouTube, I would make videos about like, what is civil engineering and the different types of um, conferences that you can go to, you know, that year. And, and then on Instagram, we started, you know, sharing our journey initially. But then we realized that, you know, as civil engineers, there's so much out there that, we don't know because we're just civil engineers and there's you know mechanical engineering and computer science so we got other engineers to come in and do takeovers and tell us you know what their career their day-to-day looks like so that when somebody does go online they could see you know what is what does a mechanical engineer do that works on cars versus like working on the next Apple Watch, you know, you can learn that difference based off of these takeovers. And, you know, slowly we started hosting webinars and we had our podcast. I know that you mentioned that in the beginning. Um, And also be a resource for women who, a community place for women where, you know, we focus on career development, but also focus on personal development such as focusing on other aspects of our life that make us a good engineer. So some of it might be like our background, you know, we hosted Black women in STEM, Latinas in STEM, Asians in STEM to really highlight the minority experience and what they go through, you know, might be different. And some of those struggles and those barriers are different for, you know, first generation immigrants, second generation immigrants. So highlighting that experience is something that you know we've always done and then also pull in you know men to be a part of the conversation we've hosted men for women in stem uh lives and being able to you know kind of talk about like why do women face these microaggressions in this industry and also face sometimes the sexism you know i experienced it myself so that was something that i didn't want to really you know, it's really something that's difficult to talk about, but the reality of the situation is that it, it happens to a lot of us in, in this industry. So we also talk about that, you know, how to deal with sexual harassment in the workplace. And, you know, it, it, kind, it came and it grew into, you know, basically like how can we support the incoming engineers that are coming into the field and give them the best, you know, resources when it comes to, you know, salary negotiations and how to get that management position, but also that, that, you know, that personal development aspect that, you know, often gets overlooked when we're talking about, you know, how to be good in your career. Well, yeah, that, that seems like an excellent resource. I'm sure a lot of, of female engineers can, can take advantage of, especially if, if engineering is for them and they, they see themselves staying in engineering and, and growing within engineering. I mean, it sounds like what you all are doing is a, is fabulous for them. So kudos to you for, for, for providing it. I also Thanks. mentioned that you, you have a podcast called Gals Chat. What was the motivation to, to develop Gals Chat and what do you hope people get from the podcast? Yeah, so Gals Chat, well, we pretty much started Gals Chat in the, during the pandemic at a time where we felt that we wanted to have more connection with our community. And, you know, we've been growing with the entire community. So we started Engineering Gals in 2016, and we've seen a lot of the STEM communicators grow and the STEM influencers in the space start talking about, you know, science and 
engineering communication and online and have their own, you know, platforms. And, you know, we wanted to take it one step further and bring them onto the podcast and talk about, you know, how do they really, you know, what makes them who they are, celebrate their accomplishments and then share the resources that have helped them to get where they are today in their career. So a lot of the engineers that we interview, they're, you know, multidimensional, they're working on multiple things at the same time, whether that's STEM related, um, fashion related, starting a new app, having their own company. A lot of them are entrepreneurs and, you know, we learn from each other. So it's a place where we come together and gals chat (laughs) and, you know, we, get the backstory behind our guest and then also you know be able to share that resources and how they really um, became successful in their career and business you know i think it's really cool that the guests that you have have these other interests just outside of engineering it it seems like a a lot of engineers maybe think that they have to stay on this this engineering path but there's nothing stopping them from looking into other things I, i certainly can can attest to that we're people have multiple interests and there's no reason to focus on any one is you just go down the path of these various interests and see where they take you. So I think it's really cool that they, that you have guests on there that have these different interests and they talk about them in addition to their, their engineering lives. So again, kudos to you. I've said kudos quite a number of times. I need to find another word. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, this podcast or YouTube channel, this, this is, it's all about presenting in front of people. And as I, as I, ta- as, as I told you before, you know, we started recording, I worked as an engineer for a number of years. I had to present in front of senior management on a monthly basis. And those first two presentations were absolutely horrendous. I didn't know it was possible to sweat that profusely from one's body giving a presentation, but I had to get over it because I had to give these presentations every month. So I'm always keen to learn other people's stories about presenting in front of people. So first question, is this, is, Presenting something you've always been good at, and if not, what did you do to get better at it? Yeah, I was not someone who was naturally good at presenting because I've always been shy growing up, and that was something that I had to work on as I became an adult and professional in my career. I remember taking this communications class where I had to present, and that was the first time I I had to actually stand up and present for a longer extended period of time. And it was really difficult. Uh, I was nervous, stuttering, and I was just struggling. I didn't understand what to say or do (laughs) or how to like present it in a way where, you know, people enjoyed the presentation. So that was my first experience. And I was like, you know what? I sucked at it, but I actually want to do better. And I went to my, so at that time I had been hired on full-time eventually a few years later in engineering at my job and so I'm an engineer and this opportunity came by where they needed someone to do this presentation and I I volunteered and I was like you know if I just volunteer push myself into it I'll force myself to learn how to be good at public speaking and I'll get practice And so that's pretty much what happened. I had to really understand the basics behind like presenting and some of the things that really helped me or that I found online because I didn't really know who else to ask. I, I did my research online, like how to be good at public speaking, you know, and pretty much like the thing that helped me the most was like, you have to understand what you're presenting about 
really, really well. So the more you understand it, the more confident you'll feel in presenting about that topic, especially in engineering, when you're presenting about something that's very technical or, you know, something that a, a project that you might have worked on. So understand and know, you know, what kind of questions might people might have so that you can prepare for those questions beforehand, especially if you get nervous. And I pretty much started by going through each slide <laughs> and writing notes for each slide and almost getting to a point where I had to memorize what I was saying because when I get nervous, my nerves take over. I don't know what to say. I freeze. I just completely like, I can't think sometimes. And, and that was like the beginning of that, you know, public speaking journey. A few, you know, a while later, pretty much through engineering gals, a lot of my interpersonal and communications and public speaking skills were built even more. And a lot of it was from hosting, you know, our webinars, hosting meetups, hosting our Galentine event, or, you know, like I was saying, our um, Asians in STEM, civil engineering, uh, civil engineers, and all, uh, sorry, civil engineer um, online seminars as well. So that was really nerve wracking because it was another way I was presenting myself online. And then after that, it was, you know, I felt comfortable enough with, you know, coming online and speaking, hosting even STEM uh, engineering lives on the Engineering Gals platform, then to going ahead and starting the Gals Chat podcast. So Gals Chat podcast um, started when my co-host also reached out to engineering gals. So Lara is my co-host for the gals chat podcast. And we basically came together. She is a materials engineer and then I'm a civil engineer. So both of us are in like communication background, but we wanted to, you know, do this podcast to really bring out and highlight those women in engineering. So through gals chat, I would say I had even more practice on speaking with people and more on a like casual level but back and forth you know versus when you go to do public speaking you just present and then you have your questions towards the end typically hmm. you know that what you were just saying amy really think about the differences between presenting in front of people just on you know when you get face to face as opposed to virtually so you know like like your webinars and, and the podcast, do you see any major differences or challenges from, from, from both? I think when I was presenting in person for work, I felt a little bit more self-conscious because you could see me, my body language. A lot of people talk about body language, nonverbal communication. And, you know, I just know, I just remember feeling a little nervous, like, oh my gosh, you know, you want to hide behind the podium, but they tell you, don't do that. You're not supposed to do that, you know? Versus like when you're online, you could wear something that's comfortable. You can just show up in a place where you feel safe at home, you know, or your office. And you just focus on the material and getting your actual point across, you know. So I did feel a little bit difference because like when you're when you feel nervous online, people don't see you like fidgeting with your fingers or like maybe even shaking a little bit. But when you're nervous in person, like people could see that, you know, so I think there is a little bit of difference. And I think presenting online is a good way to ease into presenting in person. But I definitely think that 
with public speaking, the more you do it, you get better. And the next time you present, you just get better and better. And I would say like, if for somebody who is going to present and you're nervous, I would just say rip off the bandaid. It's going to be what it is. Mine was really, really bad. <laughs> I had to, I was pretty much reading from the notes the entire time, but it was the fact that I did it. And the next time I did it, I read less from the notes and so on and so forth, you know, so definitely just go for it. I like your advice of using virtual as a kind of a gateway to getting better at speaking face to face, you know, on site in front of people, because you're, you're absolutely right. You can you can fashion the environment that you're in virtually as opposed to on site where you perhaps you don't have as much control over that. And just like you said, you can you know be in a, a, a space that you that you prefer, wear the clothes that you like and focus on the message that you want to deliver as opposed to a whole lot of the, the nonverbal communication that is obvious obvious when you present in person. That's not something I ever thought about, but it's, it's actually a really good take. And not only that, now is the best time to do it because everything is yeah. virtual, everything's virtual anyway. And so, yeah. so this is an absolutely perfect time to, to do any of this stuff, kind of stuff. When it comes to, I mean, you, you mentioned getting nervous before giving presentations. How do you do, how do you address those nerves? How do I address those nerves? I think, you know, when I feel unsure about something, if I feel nervous about a specific question that I might get, I try to really, you know, get that information beforehand. Um, other than that, I have tried meditating in the past to help calm my nerves that does help me so whether that's like a breathing exercise um that really gets me in the present and then back into like my space and my you know mental energy focused on what i need to do versus how i'm being perceived because i think sometimes that's something like oh i don't know what these people are going to think about me do I sound crazy? Do I even know what I'm talking about? When you get there, if there's a lot of things that, you know, go on in your head, especially if public speaking isn't natural, it doesn't come natural to you. So yeah, that's what I do. I'd like to actually just sit down, drink some water. I have my water with me, you know, and I meditate before I start. Maybe it's like 10 minutes, five minutes, however much I can get to just really get in the present moment. Yeah, meditation. That's an excellent. That's an excellent piece of advice when it comes to dealing with those nerves. What I typically do is I try to visualize the the presentation and it going well. Because if you yeah. think that things are not going to go all that well, they very well won't. <laughs> but if you actually look at look at it, that you visualize how how things are going to go. People are listening. You you see them. You, know, you close your eyes and you just visualize the, what the way you want things to be people are listening and they're 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 paying attention they're they're laughing at the appropriate parts that you know the answers to their questions and they and they clap and they applaud you afterwards you is put you in this different mind frame that did you and then you go out there and then you perform based on that visualization i i that's what i tend to do and that's been really helpful for me but i really like your idea of of meditation as well so hopefully people can you try that out see how it works out for them Amy, this has been really great talking to you. Thank you again for being a guest. How can people get in touch with you? Thanks for having me. So if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can reach me at my Instagram, uh, TikTok, or Twitter. 
And it is Amy Deepkar. So A-M-Y-D-E-E-P-K-A-U-R. That's my username. And if you want to connect with us engineering on Engineering Gals, you can reach us on pretty much every social media platform. We're on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach us at Engineering Gals. So engineering and then G-A-L-S. And we also have a website, engineeringgals.com. We're launching our mentorship program at the time. So if you're interested in getting a mentorship, we can definitely, you know, connect you with other engineering professionals in the industry. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So we have our website. And then if people want to listen to the Gals Chat podcast, you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And it's just Gals Chat by Engineering Gals. Wonderful. So it doesn't sound like you're very difficult to find. So I'll certainly go and include all of that, all that information so that people can find you. Uh, everybody, this marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. Consider checking out the Teach the Geek to Speak Society. It's a monthly membership to help you in your public speaking journey. And you can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms on all of them also if you prefer to watch the episodes head on over to the youtube channel at youtube.teachthegeek.com until next time